During an unconventional football season in 2020, some New Jersey private high schools, such as Mater D in Middletown, are considering new strategies to strengthen their team, including collecting analytics through new softwares, such as Edvarsity. Something banned in the NCAA and pro teams, analytics question traditional forms of collecting player stats by creating a play from multiple options of outputs. Originally reported from the New York Times, sports reporter Ben Spiegel joins us to further discuss this change in the sports world and the response from the community. Well, thank you for uh, meeting with me today to discuss your latest article in the New York Times. Sure. Yeah, so definitely, um, so I do not have much of a sports background, but I do, um, I'm the news director for a college radio station. And so it's definitely, it's very cool to get a bunch of different perspectives of what's going on, especially um, related to COVID in some aspects and especially sports right now. It's um, but with the article, um, it's a very like with um, and testing and using analytics to um, improve a team's performance in a sport. And so for this uh, football team at uh, Mater D High School um, in uh, Middletown, New Jersey, uh, they've been using analytics. I believe the programming is called um, Ed J Varsity. Edge, yeah, Edge, yeah. Edge Varsity, yep. Edge Varsity, cool. Um, so I guess to start, it's definitely very controversial in the sports world too. And it's like the balance of, I guess, traditional, um, I guess, what, what would be the alternative exactly? It's like- Well, I mean, why... there are a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of sort of traditionalists who feel as if that um, years and years of scouting and knowledge that has been accumulated from in any sport, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, that you just kind of do things a certain way because they've always been done that way. And if it was good enough for all of these people beforehand, then it's good enough to go ahead and do that now in the year 2020. But as we know, technology has taken steps and leaps and bounds and the sports are constantly innovating. Players are getting bigger, stronger, faster all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what analytics is kind of, it's it's sort of a catch-all phrase like in the football world it what it basically conveys is that teams whether it's college high school or professional in the nfl are using like advanced metrics they're using numbers to go ahead and help them help their decision making to go ahead and inform decision making but really at a base level it's stuff that they've been doing for a very long time, whether that's scouting teams, whether that's looking at video to go ahead and divine tendencies from opposing players or opposing teams, that kind of stuff. That all falls under the analytics court, the analytics umbrella. It's the more advanced stuff that I think is people, when they hear that word, that's what they think of and how numbers are sort of driving decisions more and more and teams are relying on this more and more um, in some cases, rather than sort of traditional scouting methods, for instance. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the um, statistics that um, this software gathers? Well, it, what, it, what it basically does, it's a, it's a, like pretend you had a dashboard and you, in that dashboard that you go ahead and you type in the information at that particular point in time during the game. So if the Eagles are playing the Giants on Sunday, so you could say if the Eagles had the ball, it would be Philadelphia ball, 
first and 10 giants, 47 yard line, three and a half minutes left in the first quarter. And then you kind of press update. And what it does is it draws on hundreds of thousands of games that had been simulated to conclusion to figure out if you were to go ahead and do X instead of Y, what your chances of winning are. So it's not anything that relates to the result of the decision. It's just the decision itself. And so if you were to go ahead and say, and if, and if it advises you that based on your threshold, your comfort level with aggressiveness, that it's asking you to, that it's saying, in this, in this situation, we recommend that you punt. And let's say you punt, but your punter shanks the punt and he kicks it like 15 yards. Then it doesn't make the decision bad. It makes the result was bad. And that shouldn't go ahead and deter you from perhaps um, complying next time. It just says that there's human error. And this is what happened this time, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. And so where they're testing this, um, this software at the high school level, um, is it is that particularly like important to recognize that it was a Catholic school that was doing this? Like, are has this like especially like I guess with public schools, or is it just kind of it like is it just no? I mean, I get no. I totally understand your question. I think that I think that I just happened in all honesty. I've been working on the story for a long time, and I visited schools back in the before times in March, and um, I visited because edges headquarters is in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I went to Louisville back in March and met with two schools in Kentucky and one in Cincinnati. And my idea would be to go ahead and do a bunch of reporting then and come back to one of those schools in the fall and write from that school live, but things have changed. And so I wound up getting what I thought was a better story and meeting George and closer to, closer to home, 40 miles away from where I live. And so the fact that it is a private school, I think that perhaps on the outside, you might say that they might have better or different resources than a public school, or there might be a different kind of environment there. But I don't necessarily know if you'd be wrong, but I don't necessarily know that you'd be right either. I know that there are plenty of public schools that do use it. I spoke with um, at least two or three of them for my story who didn't wind up making the article itself. And there's always the push and pull, Nancy, of having teams, programs that have a limited amount of money. And whether you want to go ahead and invest in something when you know you also have to pay for meals and helmets and shoulder pads and everything for the size of your team and kind of where this fits in. So some of the larger schools might have bigger budgets and it's not as onerous to go ahead and pay the 1500 bucks for this software. Mm -hmm. Other programs it is. Um, I do not know precisely what the discussions were at modern day beyond, we think this is worth it and we're going to go ahead and get it. I don't think there was any sort of debate from a financial perspective that we need to raise a lot of money or we need to go ahead and talk to our booster club or some parents or whatever to deal with this. I don't think that was the issue, but again, I can't say with certainty how that decision was reached or who paid for it. Yeah. 
So speaking of the parents, have you heard any like opinions from the students, like the student players themselves on how they feel about this form? So, so I spoke with one of the players, the quarterback when I was down there last month and he, I mean, he was totally in favor of it. And I think that a lot of offensive players generally are, these are guys who grow up playing video games and grow up playing football video games. And, you know, there's no sort of consequence to going for it all the time, to not punting, to being aggressive. So when you hear that they're doing it live, it just feels natural. They want to have the confidence from their coach to go ahead and go for it to be aggressive in what might seem counterintuitive situations to some people. Um, I don't know if they know the extent of what was going on or they, or I don't know if they knew the extent, I guess, before my story come out, came out and I'm not presuming by any means that any of them or all of them read it, but that I think that they're kind of on a need to know basis almost. And it's whatever the coach decides to go ahead and share with them. And what modern day was doing, there's a lot of stuff. If you really sort of listen to the numbers, I suppose, or you really um, are advanced in that area, there's a lot of subtlety to it. And so the things that modern day was doing by going forward on fourth down or by doing two point conversions or the way that they might've approached play calling, I wouldn't call that elementary by any means, but it's kind of like the starter. It's like the basic stuff. If coaches are kind of dipping their toes in the water and trying to get comfortable with things, that's what you go ahead and do. So I think that from the player's point of view, that if they see that, then they might realize that maybe something is going on. But I don't, I don't think that the, that the, the coaches ever gathered them, at least all the times that we spoke, that and said, we have this tool that we're using. This is what we're going to do. It was more kind of individual stuff as necessary or taking stuff that George Mahoney, the assistant who I wrote about, had sort of compiled and then synthesizing what George had said to the coaches and presenting it to the players. Okay. So I understand that um, a lot of pro teams and NCAA uh, teams prohibit some of this software. Do you find that um, the high school level can, I guess, experiment a little bit more and to have that, that flexibility to try new things? Yeah, and I think that's sort of, I guess, the interesting thing about the software in particular, that for all as advanced as the NFL and college are, and as robust as some NFL teams analytics departments are, that they have to rely on, like on static reports, they have to rely on game books, so all the stuff that they do to prepare during the week, but they can't do any sort of prescriptive analytics where you're actively, you know, looking at what's going on right then and there and tailoring it to that precise moment. Whereas high school is kind of like the wild west. There's no ban on processing from that respect and you could do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Just a matter of whether teams are able to take advantage of it or feel that it's worth their while. Yeah. And did students at this particular high school have like, were they considering careers in professional football? Like, uh, I mean, I think that that's a lot of their dreams, but mm -hmm. I don't know. It's such a hard road and it's tough to go ahead and sort of say right now at age 16, 17, 18 years old, who you're going to be and where you're going to wind up. The school has produced a fair amount within the last four or five years since the coach, Gino Mangero took over a lot of 
college players. They hadn't in the 50 years before he came, and now they probably have like four to five every year. And they have a, I think their best player this year is going to the University of Michigan. And they have another player who's going to Kent State. And they have, I think they might be like a Temple or a Wagner. So players who are going to the to Division One schools, Michigan is obviously the best of the bunch there from a football perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and their quarterback is a junior. And I think he said he's gotten some looks from some Ivy League schools and, and Temple, um, UConn, some other schools, I believe. So it's tough to predict how they progress over their careers and who they are their senior year in high school isn't who they're going to be even as a freshman in college. So it's tough to sort of say whether we'll be seeing these guys on the NFL field in five or six years. Yeah. I also found it interesting how you wrote about um, there was something about a decreased level of concussions or like other sports related injuries. So with using this programming, you can kind of predict, I guess, what would be the safest option for students? Could you? Well, kind of. Um, That was sort of unrelated to the program because that was when this guy, George, was coaching at his his previous job when this software wasn't available. But that so much of their risk in concussions and football is a collision sport. You're going to get injured all the time. But kickoffs are particularly dangerous. And so if you were flying down the field full speed and you're trying to go ahead and prevent the other team's blockers from creating you know, lanes for the returner to go ahead and run through, then you're going to collide really hard. And if you don't have those kickoffs because you've changed your style, then just automatically you're diminishing the odds of your players getting a concussion in that respect. You know, you can't change what happens offensively or defensively or whatever, but in that area where there is a higher incidence of concussion, then you can at least limit it there. So do a lot of um, football teams like on the high school level, have they talked and strategized like with each other? Or I guess, I guess that wouldn't be good because of your competition, but have these been shared concepts and like, is it transparent that these teams are using these resources? Um, you know, I don't, that's, that's a good question. And I have asked that. So this is the second year for that product, the adversity product. And I remember talking to coaches in March, whether they knew or that they're, um, opponents had ever said anything or whatever. And I think there was a little bit where they kind of caught on and be like, they're acting a little bit weird here. Um, but I don't know if any of those conversations ever led to these revelations, like, oh my God, we've got to go ahead and get on that train too, because every coach, every coach sort of has his own way of doing things and approaching things. Um, I know that in talking to a coach who I quoted in my story, who coaches at a school in suburban Atlanta, that he he's talked to a lot of like-minded coaches over the last two years, just meeting them, you know, either coaching clinics or whatever. And so it's kind of spreading and people are sort of becoming more aware or more interested in general. But I don't know if it's fair to sort of draw a through line between a team who might be using the software or might be being more aggressive on the analytics front in high school and their opponent recognizing it and deciding to go ahead and make wholesale changes themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Has edge varsity been adapted for other sports too? Well, I mean, this is sort of an adaptation of what they do at the pro level. And so Mm -hmm. 
they're they're primarily like they do football. It's this is sort of a a product from their sports wing, but it's the sports wing is a branch of a data analytics company that does a lot of work with healthcare, for instance. So to my knowledge, they don't do any other work with like baseball or basketball, for instance. I could be wrong, but of the conversations that I've had with them over the last like two or three years, um, I can't recall them mentioning any any other sport. And so since football season has been like drastically different this season because of the coronavirus, has, um, do you think that this was like a coincidental time to start? I guess it hasn't started, but it just kind of, there's more time to experiment with new strategies and new technology with the sport? Um, you know, I don't know if there's a correlation there. I do know that there were schools last year who used it, but decided not to use it this year because their focus was so intensely on their players and their players' mental health and having to deal with many more things on a daily basis that however advantageous they might have felt this was or it could be, that it was just another thing that they had to go ahead and not worry about in the bad sense, but just concern themselves with. And it ranked toward the bottom when you're trying to worry all the time about your player's safety and kind of trying to keep the coronavirus out of your house, out of your school, out of your team. So I don't know that it's allowed them to experiment more because I think that these teams, whether they were playing in front of 12,000 people or a thousand people or 500 and things were as normal as they could possibly be, that they'd still want to win and they'd still, their coaches would still be either as innovative and progressive as they are or as traditional as they are. And I don't think that that, at least based on my reporting, that that has changed. Um, yeah. So I guess like has administration at these schools gotten involved with this or is it kind of more hands off like for the coaches to figure well, out? Well, well, it, I would say that that the schools that I have spoken with, mm -hmm. um, I didn't actually talk to them about this with at, at modern day because my reporting was sort of so focused on George and the coach that, but the other places I had that, that, that there's always sort of that question of trying to sell it to the community that's so invested in their kids and the team and the, in the, in the school that if they're going to be doing something different that might look weird or counterintuitive to them, depending on how far you're willing to go, that you kind of have to get them on your side or at least convey to them what you're trying to do in the most precise way possible. And so I know that talking to a school in Kentucky last in, in March that their coach and one of their assistants told me that there might've been a little bit of resistance, but I think that their coach has said that they were happy to see something new and they were kind of interested in the novelty of it. And it was going back to a previous question. It's a private school, a very well-regarded academic school in Louisville mm -hmm. that also has a good football program, plays at a lower level. Um, and I think that the clientele, that the parents of the kids were a little bit more affluent, more um, educated. And I think that they did not view this as a threat as perhaps it might've been in other areas. And so um, 
going circling back to your original question that that I believe that all of this is discussed certainly at a larger level with administration. Um, I think it depends on sort of how powerful the coach is and how willing the athletic department and principal are to be like, okay, you know, like, you know, you can go ahead and hang yourself if this doesn't work out or whatever, or if they're comfortable with it and say, all right, no, this makes sense. You know, I'm, I support you and let's go ahead and give it a try, you know? Yeah. And I'd imagine it's pretty user-friendly once, um, once you learn the format of the actual software. Yeah. I mean, it takes some time to get used to. It's not like counterintuitive or anything, but it just to go ahead and you really have to do it um, before every offensive series. So it's not like you have to do it after every play, but before every offensive series. And so just to kind of get familiar with, okay, checking everything, typing it in, and then being ready if things progress, if you have other responsibilities, mm-hmm. um, it's just trying to, like anything else, you're just kind of training, training your brain and your muscle memory to kind of get accustomed to doing certain things. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I, from times that I've played around with it myself, it just sort of just takes a little bit like anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And that would be uh, Mahoney's responsibility throughout the games too, to operate. That yeah, way. yeah, that's, that is exactly what he does. Hey, this is Nancy. Thanks for listening in today at 91.3 FM WTSR. Remember to check out more content online at WTSR.org, on the air, or on our Spotify and Captivate channels. And as always, we remind you to open your mind.